Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Menashe. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We have a great guest all the way from Phoenix, Arizona. Welcome to the show, Andrew Abernathy. Thank you so much. Excited to be on. Well, great to have you here. It's been a while since you were last on the show, and my gosh, a lot has happened in the marketplace. Things have moved up and down. Cost of capital is all over the place, and thought it would be a good time to reconnect and catch up in terms of what you're doing in your business. You're vertically integrated, which not that many people are. But before we dive into the details, maybe give a little bit of your backstory and how you got to this point in your journey. Yeah, of course. A little quick, quick version. Uh, I grew up on a family farm in North Dakota. And then uh, we've we've always been involved in just farmland since the farm started back in 1901. And I started to diversify it um, into different real estate assets back in 2009. I've been through properties all through, I mean, HUD buildings, you know, commercial properties, apartments, houses, all through. And finally landed on self-storage is something that I wanted to focus on and, you know, have that catapult us hopefully to that billion dollar company. And uh, so that focus into self-storage started back in 2017, and we liquidated all other assets except for our farm operations to go full into that. Fabulous. Now, you're heavily involved. You're vertically integrated. You're also a manufacturer. You you build your own buildings. What took you in that direction? Yeah. So I've, you know, again, I'm a nerd when it comes to um, researching billionaires, whether it's, you know, Rockefeller and Carnegie in the past or all the way to local um, recent billionaires, um, Warren Buffett, Gary Theraldson, the billionaire in North Dakota, partner of ours. And I just kind of researched their backs. And what I learned is that these billionaires, for the most part, became billionaires on focus, and then they retain wealth on diversification. It doesn't go the other way around. And so I knew I needed to focus on something. I also noticed that they did two things. One is they owned as much of the process as possible through the whole product or through the whole asset or whatever they're dealing in. And then they also try to make capital on the byproducts. Um, I remember like Rockefeller, he used to require the parts for their stuff from manufacturers to be sent to them in wood boxes, wood crates. And he would use those wood crates for the floors in the Model Ts. Again, just trying to use anything he could to save money. And so that's the mentality I took when we went down and wanted to create our business model and plan for for our self-storage endeavors. We've obviously been all reading the headlines about inflation hitting every aspect of the economy and certainly construction has not been immune. We've seen in stick build construction, lumber prices drop, gosh, close to 70, 80% since the peak in May of 2022. Steel prices have been up and down right now, at least raw steel from China is down almost 30%. How is that trickling into your business yet or not? How is that playing out? Yeah. So, you know, when we started back in 2017, ramping up, we kind of started out slower. Um, well, one, we wanted to make sure we, we, we kind of fine-tuned a product. And then two, it was tough to build things when COVID hit there. So again, at the time I was bummed. And now I look back and I think how fortunate of us that we didn't ramp up in those times, right? Mm-hmm. So yes, um, right now, construction costs are higher, labor costs. But what we are noticing now that we're really ramping up, I mean, we're buying a new site in California and Arizona almost every couple of weeks. I mean, we are just ramping up 
crazy the last 10, 12 months. Uh, we're noticing it's a lot more affordable, a lot better terms, turning into a little more of a buyer's market for dirt. And on our construction, and yeah, it's a little bit higher, but we're noticing things getting done a lot quicker, which gets the product up faster, gets our bottom line pumping quicker, which helps with the, the IRR. So, you know, we're not immune to that. And then also our vertical integration helps, you know, we add our mass shows, we add about 4% IRR to each project with our verticals, um, with our construction, we have our own equipment dealership to do rental for water trucks, light towers, security cameras. And then we also have our um, own garage door dealership. Cause again, we buy like this year, we've got $70 million under construction. Um, next year we'll have about a hundred million. And then the year after that, we're looking to be doing about 220 to 250 million a year in construction and development. And we don't sell. I mean, we are building these for ourselves. We only build for ourselves and it just piles on to the pot, to the, uh, to the portfolio. And the goal is to have a hundred of these, um, worth about 30 to 40 million with inflation adjusted by the end of the decade to circle back to your question, when everybody's greedy or fearful, we want to be greedy. And right now we feel like it's a really good time to ramp up um, because everybody else is pulling back. And uh, I think we'll be happy we did it in three to four years. So you're strictly a captive builder. You don't do any third party, even though perhaps it would maybe help your cost structure if you did. What, Mm -hmm. What drove that decision? Well, it drove it because we have so much growth. Like our construction company went and did $30 million last year in construction for us. And now we're saying, hey guys, we want you to do 70 million internally. So that alone is a huge increase. The construction team, the reason we don't do outside businesses, you know, last year our internal construction team did $30 million in development in for just internal business. And now this year we asked them to go up to 70 million. Next year we're asking them to go up to 100 million. And the year after that, we're asking them to go up to 250 million. And who knows what we're going to keep asking them after that. So the reason we haven't looked for outside, I mean, we are, we have growing pains already just doing our internal stuff. So we've just never felt it would be good for us to good or needed. You know, we don't have any guys twiddling their thumbs, you might say in our offices. So we've just kept it internal. Understood. So when you look at storage, uh, we're a player in storage as well. I mean, it's no secret that the vast majority of primary markets are already saturated, overbuilt. If the city has an NFL football team, chances are it's overbuilt, except for maybe the occasional pocket here and there. Maybe if I can use the Swiss cheese analogy, there might be the occasional pocket. But for the most part, it's overbuilt. And the institutional players have been very active in those primary markets, starting to figure out how to transition into secondary markets. How does that play for you where there's still an awful lot of that cottage industry, the mom and pop players that are aging out of the business. There's still a lot of value add opportunities out there. Are you focusing exclusively on ground up? Or are you looking at value add with uh, additional build on additional acreage? What's what's the strategy? Yeah, good question. There's a lot of ways to uh, to make capital. So this isn't the only way that works. But with our amount of capital we're trying to put to work, we strictly do, you know, ground up development. Um, it's just a really simple printable process. Um, but as for the, um, you know, saturation in the markets, yes, it's very localized. I mean, we have two guys on our team that all they do is look for dirt. 
And what we've done is we've tried to, we've gone into harder areas um, because we have very patient capital. Um, a lot of the capital in the world is unpatient. And then there's patient capital that we have, and we want to take full advantage. So what I mean by that is, you know, the two markets that we're concentrated on is California and Arizona. And there's roughly, and this is a rough number, but there's roughly 240 to 250 new facilities built a year in those two states. And those two states, and I'm just using the Phoenix Valley for population here. Maricopa County. Yep. Plus California. You're talking 50 some million people. So our goal is to say, all right, well, you know, quarter a quarter billion a year in development for us, which is our goal in two years from now, that's only 12 sites, right? 12 sites out of 240. I mean, our market share isn't crazy, right? You know, 5% or so. Um, my goal would be to get to 10% by the end of the decade. Um, but these are areas that are harder to build in. It takes two to three, four years sometimes to do entitlements, the entitlement process, which you have to own the dirt and, and handle that longevity with capital. So that that's how we've gone about it is, you know, we have no desire to go into like Florida or anywhere that's easier because that's where everybody goes, obviously. So we're going where it's hard. And 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 when we're done, it's a, it's a gold mine. For those of us in the multifamily space, we tend to shy away from states like California, New York, a few others, because they're not necessarily the most business-friendly environment, whether it's from an entitlement standpoint, whether it's taxation, bureaucracy, fill in the blank, there's, they're, they're more difficult places to do business in. Uh, how did you get comfortable with doing so much in California? Yeah, good question. So in storage, what I like is it's not tenant law. Right. When it comes to like once they're open, right? And somebody doesn't pay rent, since it's just stuff, it's really easy for us to overlock. If they don't pay, we auction it. So, like, you know, they don't have the same rules on storage as they do apartments when it comes to evicting someone. So, so that right there was out the door. So, that's easy for us. Um, the other thing is public storage manages all of our facilities. So, any other nuances, once they're open, that's irrelevant to us. Um, as for the development, entitlement, and that process, we like how hard it is. We don't like it. Obviously, we don't enjoy it, but we like that it keeps everybody else away from it because it is hard. It's not the easiest, but products that do get opened up there and stabilized, you know, they sell for a lot lower of a cap rate than they would in Florida or Texas. I mean, they sometimes sell it one to 200 bips below, you know, a, a Texas cap rate, right? Because it just takes so long and it's so hard. Plus, rents are higher. I mean, in Arizona, our average rents are. And our lots are 160, 170 once they're um, economically stabilized. In California, you know, you're looking two to three dollars a foot. Um, and it's tax wise, I mean, yeah, you got some property tax and stuff, but if you include all that in your expenses, I mean, we're still just crushing it there. So I guess to sum it up is we like barriers to entry. And once open, it's stuff, not people. So the California rules and New York rules really don't apply to us as much as apartment would. We talked about the focus being on self-storage. There's other verticals in storage as well. There's Boat and RV that's gone through a tremendous amount of growth over the last couple of years. And I think the storage segment has been slow to catch up. I think it's plateaued in terms of new unit sales, but I think the storage segment's been slow to, to catch up. And then, of course, there's industrial outdoor storage, another segment that's growing. To what extent has that either of those been on your radar? Uh, lower again, just because of the amount of capital we're trying to put to work. You know, we're trying to build a 
you know, five to ten billion dollar portfolio in a matter of ten to twenty years, ten to fifteen years. And, you know, so we need each of our sites, you might say, to be that 15 to 20 million. That's kind of our sweet spot of all in costs. And so the hard thing with boat and RV and industrial is, you know, those are lower cost, um, you know, development site costs and everything. So we just like to stay in that 15 to 20. We don't like to get over 2022 because we want to spread our capital around to multiple sites, but we don't like to get below 15 to 14 because again, it's just tough to do multiple of those sites with entitlements and zonings and everything that goes into it. Um, so that's why we're not doing it. Um, but if we have a site that's awkward or has some room around it, we'll throw in some drive in or a drive up, or we'll throw in, you know, some RV. We haven't done it yet, but we would never go into a site, especially with how much we're paying for dirt. You know, mm. we'd never go into a site just for that. Cause I mean, I've gone, I've gone to some conferences. I am not a boat and RV expert, but from what I learned, I believe, you know, your seven, $8 a foot for dirt is how you can pencil boat and RV, you know, and we're paying 15, 20, yeah. yeah, 15, 20. I mean, we have one in Scottsdale, we paid well over 34, but again, rates are crazy. So yeah, we're just so far from that mark. Got it. Well, Andrew, if folks want to connect, if they want to learn more, what's the best way? Yeah. So there's two websites, uh, andrewabernathy.com on Abernathy at the end, it's EY. Don't forget that silent E there. And then uh, abernathyholdings.com is our company, both of which you can contact me personally and the team and learn more about what we do. Fabulous. Well, Andrew, love the perspective, love what you're doing. It was great to catch up. And for the listeners at home, definitely connect with Andrew Abernathy at abernathyholdings.com. The link will be in the show notes. And in the meantime, have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. <laughs>